Welcome everybody to the Making, Making Notes, Notes Podcast. 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 Trilogy. It's the trilogy. It's the trilogy. It's the fellowship. The return of the Jedi. Return of the marketing. Return of the marketing. So, as Trevor and Daniel both said, we are doing a three-part series on entrepreneurial tools that are not taught to us in schools. Who the cotton rhymes? I didn't even realize. Mm-hmm. Tools not taught in schools. Us. We talked about value. We talked about money. Today, we're talking about marketing. And arguably, to me, I think this is the most misunderstood concept of the three and probably the most important, especially when it comes to taking your art and bringing it to other people. Please help us in marketing this podcast by subscribing, giving us a five-star rating is all we accept, leaving us comments. If you want to speak with us directly, join the Discord. If you want to contribute to us financially with money from episode two, Patreon. And if you want to watch us, check us out on YouTube. All of these links can be found in the descriptions below. But without further ado, let's get into it. Marketing. So, marketing. What is it? The best way that I can explain it, it's storytelling about a person, a product, or a service. And that storytelling has many different purposes. One of them is to build up the reputation of that product, service, or person, or whatever it is, in the minds of the future consumer or prospect, client, whomever will consume it or utilize it. And it also can be used to engender a relatable relationship with that entity, with the consumer. That's very heady stuff, but it's, you know, (laughs) at the end of the day, branding and marketing are linked. The branding is your reputation and the marketing is the stories you tell to build that brand or reputation. Who are good storytellers? Creative people like you. That viola. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm honored. All all of you musicians. This is something, again, shout outs to Angela Beeching, music business coach, guru. She mentioned when looking at a lot of artist websites and their bios and their branding and how they present themselves. It's stunningly uncreative. (laughs) The story's not there. It's very bland. Here's my bio with a list of awards no one cares about. And under the tutelage, like it's, um, you know, 1826, we do creative, compelling things. We tell stories through music. We design programs with arcs to take audiences on journeys. And yet when it comes to how we market ourselves and present ourselves, it's like we don't have a creative bone in our body. It's like we forget it. So weird, right? It's wild. And that's something that stunned her and that she has to work on to bring out and allow people, yo, be creative. Like you you already are. You're just using it over here in this other avenue, in this other field. And so marketing to me is exactly what you said. It's storytelling. Now, what is storytelling? It can be a number of things. Like what from stories, what do we what do we get? Education. A lot of stories are to teach you something, to learn something. You look at old fables, you look at fairy tales, you look at all of these books, Lord of the Rings, everything. You can learn something from even the most crazy fantasies out there. You can figure out and align 
morality. You can deal with t tough questions. Also, entertainment. It can just be fun. Storytelling at its, its best form can entertain. It can make you feel things. And so these are things we already know how to do in music and in other artistic fields. And we're just bringing that over into how we present ourselves and to bring other people into their art. So the real key part of marketing for me, besides things like being honest and education and being entertaining and solving the needs for the person I want to bring in so that they'll come join me, is that working on marketing and thinking about it, just like networking, just like all these things that a lot of artists avoid, is marketing is an opportunity to share what you do with others. We often can look at it negatively, like, ah, I feel selfish making a website or posting this thing about me because it's about me and it should be about the art and like it's uncomfortable asking people to donate to my GoFundMe or whatever. No, marketing and doing all of these various things is not really about you. It's about you allowing other people to appreciate what you're doing, allowing them to come in and enjoy your art. It's so interesting what you said. And I get that pushback a lot when I do consulting marketing consulting for uh musicians it's like mm -hmm. yeah it's not about me i'm like then who's it about what's it about okay so if your art isn't about a thing but it's not about you what is it about <laughs> right and, and i think that even if it isn't about you it may be about the composer but if people don't know the composer they don't care mm -hmm. they're not gonna care like if an alien came to earth and we gave them an ariana grande single and said, isn't she amazing? They'd be like, sounds nice, but I don't know anything about this. So yeah. <laughs> I have no skin in the game, right? Marketing is about allowing people to build skin in the game, either emotionally, educational-wise, with an entity. So like when you teach somebody something and they're there was something that they didn't know how to do before, but because you came into their life and you gave them the information and you showed it to them, and now they are able to do that thing and they didn't even have to pay for it, they feel connected to you. They're like, wow, I, it builds trust, it builds rapport, it builds love, it builds connection. And those are things that are valuable to us humans. That's why, like I said in one of the earlier episodes, in other societies, teachers are very valuable. America's weird, okay? If you're American and listening to this, you got to realize we weird, y'all. We super weird, okay? When it when, when you juxtapose us to other societies in the world. When it comes to teaching, when it comes to educating, when it comes to marketing in general, there are some principles that one must understand if you want to be successful. Let's just get really specific. We have a musician right? If you ever go on a date with anybody and you say you're a musician, most of the people are disappointed immediately. They're <laughs> yeah. like, another musician. Ah, oh, I guess you make beats and put them on SoundCloud, yeah. right? Yeah. And you want to know, know why they feel that way? It's because that's not really that unique. Everybody wants to be a musician. So then you have to get a little bit more specific. How do you get more specific? storytelling, marketing. Every time you make something on social media as a human being, you are storytelling. You are marketing, whether you 
like it or not. If you're posting your avocado toast, <laughs> what are you saying? You're saying, I'm healthy. I watch what I eat. I'm proud of what I put in my body. And I want you to know about it. Because if like if you didn't care if somebody knew, you wouldn't post it, right? So that is the story you are telling and you are stamping into the world. If you are a musician and you want to build your brand, you have to be somewhat strategic in the way you tell your stories. Now, strategic doesn't mean inauthentic. Those aren't mutually exclusive, right? You can be strategic and authentic. You just have to be focused in the story you're trying to tell. And when it comes to telling your story, one must be really cognizant about the stories other people who are competing with you in the marketplace, what stories are they telling? Because if everybody's telling the same story, nothing is unique about any one of those players in the industry. Therefore, how does a consumer or a client choose among them? You've said this yourself, Trevor, you have a billion violinists in your phone. Which one are you going to hire for the gig? So this is where, when I talk to my clients, you need to niche down. Let's say you have a hundred contacts in your phone, Trevor. Somebody asks you to play for this Evanescence concert, right? Hell yeah. How many of those violinists do you think would fit? Well, maybe there's one violinist who has made 50 Evanescence covers on their Instagram, right? You probably call them because you know they like that band, you know they know the music well, and they are the most likely to handle that job correctly. But if nobody has ever made it a point to show that they like Evanescence, how do they know that you're the person for the job? So your job as a musician, when you're utilizing social media, which is the lowest barrier of entry marketing tool, is you're qualifying yourself for a specific niche job. And the more marketing you do, i.e. the more storytelling you do about yourself, what you value, what you care about, the more eligible you're creating yourself to be for different types of jobs. I love how you frame it. Everything you do to some degree is marketing. You yourself, your reputation, how you present yourself. Further down that rabbit hole, you have to do marketing to yourself to convince yourself of that value, to figure out that value, to figure out what is real. We have the little voice in our head that's always telling us things and telling us things we, we can't do. You need to fix the marketing that you tell yourself. Two shout outs to our uh, history homie, Dan Carlin of the Hardcore History Podcast. He he talks about you know the issues of con- the issues of countries and in America, you know, just that's a great impression. Yeah, 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 it's pretty good, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing that I I thought was fascinating in one of his uh, more recent episodes, talking about the insurrection and some of the divisions. He had an episode on the insurrection. I I think so. I can't remember. It was one of the smaller addendums, but I I don't think it was specifically about the. I keep wanting to say the uh, erection, the uh, January oh. erection. Oh. Um, I don't think he had a specific episode, but the thing I thought was interesting mm-hmm. was he was talking about you know his issues with governments and America and the good, the bad, the ugly. Was that his goals and ideals for America? He's like, he's like, I just want an America that looks like the marketing, mm. and that's that's the line that stuck with me. 
he's like the the ideal America that I look for is the ideal America that is marketed. You know, one that cares about the freedom, but cares about human rights and stands for the right thing and equality you know, for everyone. Equality and, and blah blah blah. He's like, yeah, like why don't why don't we just do that? Like, yeah. like if we did that, that would be a great country. Like we we don't do that. And so living up to the marketing. And so to some degree, how you market yourself, obviously. Right now, the big thing is authenticity. It can be easier to market yourself when you're not making up shit. <laughs> like you don't have to invent a facade. But one thing that could be, you know, useful is you don't. It's not necessarily about going out and airing the the dirty laundry, but being real. You post that video that it's not a perfect take. You're posting the practice sessions. Hillary Hahn's out there doing this. Some of our greatest musicians are out there pro- posting, practicing videos and having people follow along with the journey. It's raw. It's not a multi-cam setup, even though she very well could do that. Mm-hmm. So you get that level of honesty. But even still, the marketing is, to some degree, can be the version of yourself that you yourself are asp- aspiring to, buying into the marketing. And in fact, Daniel, I think you typed up a great quote <laughs> about marketing and uh, storytelling. Will you, will you read it, Daniel? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, when I was like writing up the notes for this, the only thing I was thinking about was, for some reason, Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad. <laughs> there was this one scene where he tells Walt, I once convinced a woman that I was Kevin Costner, and it worked because I believed it. <laughs> Saul freaking Goodman. But th- 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 thank you, Daniel. It's it's all good, man. And so to some degree, it is that uh, faking it till you make it or faking notes, uh, as you will, this kind of mindset. But it's not dishonesty. You're not lying to yourself. You're trying to live up to your own marketing. It's establishing that value. The stoic mindset or Buddhism or whatever, you're trying to keep your integrity, your virtue. Every decision and opportunity and hardship is an opportunity to prove your virtue. You're not in control of others. It's not that I want to go on a run. It's that I identify myself as a runner. There's all these other self-help category things or frameworks and yada, yada, yada. But in the end, I think you're not marketing a lie because then you're in big trouble. When you get that call and you can't deliver, you're screwed. You're dead. It's over. You're being honest, but you are setting yourself up and presenting yourself in a good light. You should because you do want to live up to that. So in the end, I think... Yes, we market outward, which I think can be forgotten about. You need to present yourself in a way that you're going to bring people in to your story that they'd want to call you. You are a product to some degree, and you want people to buy that product and need that product and have you yourself solve their problems. That's what a product does. They pay to get a problem solved. You want to be that solution. But also, I do think it's important too that you yourself are watching your marketing and you are buying into it. You are living up to your marketing. That's so important. I think what is also important is I feel like we as a society, we, we teeter between individualism. We're one of the most individualistic countries in the world, one of the most in- individualistic cultures in the world. But yet we also find a lot of people wanting to fit in and not stand out. And that just comes from fear. Every individual is special and powerful and important and can serve a unique function and bring unique value to the world, right? So if you fundamentally understand that, that is your greatest power. Now, one thing we don't like to do is listen to the voice in our head and like 
hear who we are and identify who we are and the things we like and the things we want for ourselves because that's scary. Figuring out what you want to do in life is scary. So it's difficult. What we're saying is not easy. None of these concepts mm-hmm. in these last three episodes are easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it, right? But the one thing you must understand is like when it comes to marketing, you have to be aware of what other people are doing. I said this a little earlier, but this is key. And I cannot stress this enough. I would be talking at Juilliard and I would ask (laughs) people, like some of the students, like, what are some content ideas you have? And they would all just like spout off things to set violin has done, things (laughs) that I've done things that Hillary Hahn has done. And they they shared these ideas with the enthusiasm as if they were unique and original. And the one thing that I've learned, and one thing that I really need you to understand is that if you aren't the first to do something, you're not going to really get traction. And there is a great book that every one of you should read called The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I've written down a few of them that are really important to me. And this first one that the book starts out with is called The Law of Leadership. And it just means it's better to be first than it is to be better. And and do you hear that sound? That's like 30 people at Juilliard's brains exploding (laughs) right now. It's like, what do you mean? It's better to be first than to be better. I thought being better is being better. Therefore, better is everything. People don't want me. Better is everything. It's not. Being better is not. How many times have you looked at the TV and seen the person on the TV making the most money and thought, man, they're not even that good? Or I could do better than that. Well, why are they there? Why are they at the top of the game? Probably because they were the first. And they did it. <laughs> they, they showed up to that audition and you didn't. Factual, factual statement. So the first step in deciding how you want to market yourself is to understand the market. Okay, we're talking about marketing, right? Mm -hmm. But we haven't even defined what a market is. Can you define what a market is, Trevor? Oh, geez. I mean, you're you're better at the textbook definitions. But yeah, yeah, Yeah. you, 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 you saved me. Essentially, a market is just the aggregate desire to buy and sell something. And we talk about buying and selling in a very abstract way. Buying can be conceived as watching a video. Selling can be conceived of uploading or appearing. You know what I mean? So when people want something, there are other people on the other side of that want that are providing something. So we as musicians are providers, we're producers. And on the other side of that equation is consumers. So if you are a producer or a prospective producer, and the only way to make money is to be a producer, you can't, well, it's changing with blockchain, which is cool. Like consumers (laughs) are now becoming producer hybrids in, in that way. But as it exists right now, if you want to make money, like how we talked in the last episode, you have to produce something. If you want to produce something and want to have consumers buying that product, you need to look at other producers. What are other producers doing? You can't do it the same way. You learn from them and adapt. So the the second law that I really like is so you're sitting there thinking like, ah, it's better to be first than it is to be better. Some people maybe take it too far and they think that they're good 
this is a composer problem because oh, I did some unique thing, therefore it's inherently good. No, it's just unique. It it's a nice little asterisk. It could be there, but you know, good luck being new. <laughs> so in order to do that though, is that niche down you talked about. And this is the law of the category. If you can't be first in a category, set up a new category you can be first in. Mm-hmm. Johan Linux mm-hmm. is going in there, Yale mm-hmm. trained, can do orchestration, can write for strings, has a whole huge classical backlog. In the classical music world, that is entirely ununique. Yale is graduating composers every day. Julia is graduating composers every day. Every university, there's too many composers. They could all do a bang-up job writing for strings. So he has this skill, and he's gone into a new category. He went in into pop and hip-hop. And instead of saying, oh, I'm going to be a pop artist, I'm starting fresh. I'm going to come in. I'm just going to do what everyone's been doing. I look around. What did he do? He's like, I have this unique aspect of me. I have this mission. I can write for strings. And so he goes in and does great string arrangements for big name artists. So he is unique in that category. He gets the calls from your Kanye's and other folks because he is unique in that new category, in that new space. Classical arrangers who arrange for strings, pop, hip hop, EDM, all these things. Uh, So being New isn't inherently good in stuff. Doesn't mean what you're making is good, but it is setting yourself up for potential success because you are defining that space. And so, how can you be unique? Well, one, it doesn't have to be like radically different. The whole thing Drew's saying is like, look at other people. What is getting clicks now? What is the market? Like, what are you providing for? What problems are you solving? How are you making someone's life a little better? Does it even interest you? Are you the right fit for that? Will you persevere without any views for the first couple of years or without much attention? Can you do that? Your uniqueness in figuring out that weird combination that is you, the string arranger, classical musician over in the pop, your uniqueness, that's what can help define your category. Niche down to, to what is you. You don't have to copy anyone. It doesn't have to be radically different. All of these great composers and artists were doing small variations on what came before, but they still defined that category. Monet didn't invent Impressionism. Van Gogh did not invent the color yellow. (laughs) But they did all these effective tweaks and variations to create that new space. They were still using paint, still using canvas, still learned the greats, still observed those around them, but they wound up iterating on it and ideating on it and then bringing in their unique perspective in order to create their new category and own it. That's such a great perspective, Trevor. And that's kind of like further down the rabbit hole. Like that's what yeah. kind of I did. Mm-hmm. I, I, Julia and I was like, okay, how many fucking violists are there in the world? Okay. Not many. We're doing good. Okay. <laughs> We've chosen an instrument. Most people write off. Right. So there is growth potential there. Now the next level there was like how many orchestra musicians are there <sighs> that's pretty much the majority of violists they're trying to get into orchestra so how many open spots are there very few so maybe that's not an efficient market to go into maybe that's not an efficient category to throw my hat into okay what else do i like oh i like making videos how about i do that how many viola youtubers are there you could probably count them on one hand 
right? So that's when you're like, oh, now we're getting into a niche that is different, that's interesting. Maybe that's where I invest my time. And that's what I did. And then I was able to build a brand that way. Next, I still found that I wasn't playing enough and that was not making me happy. I like making videos and it was a great way to like get me to where I really wanted to go, which was to perform more. But you know, just being a violist in and of itself wasn't really getting me the type of work that I wanted to do. And I really liked soul, R&B, hip hop, and jazz. So I personally was like, okay, let me work on those genres. Let me get better at improvising. Let me get better at playing more emotive, sing-songy type playing instead of just like the straight Mozart, very little vibrato playing, right? I went and I built another skill, right? And this new skill allowed me to diversify and become the first in a new category, right? How many violists are improvising out there? I can think of one and we want to get him on the podcast. He's amazing. (laughs) But (laughs) then I was like, okay, what else do I want? Oh, I want to be a producer, a violist, producer, improviser, social media. The more things you add to your lexicon, the more skills you add, the more unique you become, the more valuable you become to the marketplace. And understanding that is your fundamental advantage. And so the only barrier to your earning potential and your marketing potential is your threshold for pain and your desire for education. One thing that you must understand is the harder it is to do something, the fewer people are going to do it. The fewer people that are going to do it, the less competition you'll have. If it was easy, everybody would do it. The obstacle is the way. The The obstacle obstacle is the way. way. So this kind of like distills down to a bunch of these marketing principles, immutable laws of marketing. That's all distilled here, right? I want you to pay attention to this one law. This one law is really important. And once you learn it, you'll begin to see it everywhere. It's this law of duality. Okay. And this law of duality dictates in the long run, every market becomes a two horse race. Pepsi Coke. Pepsi Coke. Microsoft Apple. Duracell Energizer. Let's keep going. Facebook. Well, it used to be Facebook, Instagram, but now it's Facebook, Tik or Meta, TikTok. <laughs> yeah, Meta, TikTok, Android, iOS, Mac, PC. Yeah, Mac, PC. You know, there's a Venn diagram of how they kind of all work together, but that's true. Consumer choice over a long enough period of time distills down to two players: Joshua Bell, Hillary Hahn, mm-hmm. Yo Yo Ma, Alyssa Weilerstein. Hans Zimmer, John Williams, like, <laughs> like uh, Juilliard, Curtis, or NEC, Trevor Drew, Trevor yeah, Drew, the duality. <laughs> and, and so, so one thing you'll that the book kind of talks about is like, yes, you'll have multiple multiple players in any market. So it's not a true story like there's more than coke and pepsi right there are dozens of other cola companies that are trying to take up the market share but what they mean is 90 percent of the total market will be taken up by those two players and of those the leader will have roughly about 60 percent and the second will have roughly around 40 percent and it fluctuates maybe it's 70 30 it could be 80 20 but the second player in that market 
can never really get 50%. And then whatever the remaining 10% is all the other actors. So this is why it's really important to understand your market. Who are the producers? Who are the people out there that are trying to do what you're doing? And who's the leader? So if you're shooting for second place, your strategy is determined by the leader because the leader is dictating what they're doing and you have to do the opposite so you can obtain the the market share. So how does that directly relate to an artist? They're going out there, they're setting pace. I mean, one helps to be first, helps to just be around a long time. Every business we just mentioned was around for a while. For a long and, time. And it's not necessarily – I can't remember. I think it's an Adam Grant TED Talk or something talking about there's a high failure rate for first. It is pretty dangerous. He didn't necessarily call it a myth. It's not directly like pushing back against this, but we just assume first is best. But Facebook wasn't the first social network. Google My wasn't the first search engine. Apple Ask wasn't these. the first computer. Yeah, yeah. Like all these other ones. So – yeah, like don't think first is it, but if you're going in there and if you're the first in that category, they were the first to come in and do it well. They were the first to come in and do other things. How did they do it? All those other programs, businesses looked at other people. They had some ideas, some twist on it, some bigger vision, and they went out and adapted. But for the law of duality, because to some degree, it's like a market inevitability. We don't like monopolies. It's when you get on top, you can become arrogant. You'll slip up. You're more likely to make mistakes when you're on top or refuse to adapt to the times because you become too bloated to some degree or you lose sight of what you are or just the market changes. So there's this healthy balance and the History Channel loves doing this. <laughs> they do all these episodes on like the competing companies, your Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Shit's fascinating. Like all of the twists and turns. And then when this company came out with something, and then, you know, these brothers fought and literally divided the shoe factory in half. And then you get Puma and Adidas. I think that's it. Like you get, it was two brothers and they literally like hated each other. And then they split the shoe factory in half, took half the machines. And yeah, those two are still around. We mm -hmm. still, we still are wearing those. Um, I think that's the, the companies, but. Either way, it's it's fascinating to kind of see these and that it does settle in there because you become big. There was that one game, was it Agario or whatever, that all these the kids would play and you all start as little little circles and you eat each other over time. Never, and, and you eat it. Oh. You eat it. All these like middle scores are playing. It was like one of those free web browser games. They should have uh -huh. been working. But um, you'd start off as this tiny little dot. You know, you go around, you eat little circles. And the more you eat, the bigger you become. And so then you, you become huge. And you start to mm -hmm. eat other people and you got to like watch out for spikes and other things that'll like hit you and like make you you know explode and become small again. Mm -hmm. But it's just natural for people to absorb the market. And so mm -hmm. if you're in that category, you do have a natural advantage. It doesn't mean it's going to work out. It doesn't mean you've done your, your job, the job's over, you know, pat yourself on the back. Uh, mm -hmm. You're going to have to fight because you are new. Because you are new to that category, you're going to have to establish that category. You're going to have to convince people that they need this category. A great example, of course, is deodorant. They had to market deodorant to people. It was invented for another purpose. I don't remember. And yet they figured out, wow, this can block sweat. This can block smell. It, like most other things, invented for something else, realized its purpose. And so what did they do? They didn't go around saying, hey, this this is you know some like special thing. We, we came with some crazy invention. They went around convincing people that smelling is bad. 
<laughs> that ah. being sweaty and smelly is bad. So they went out and, and taught people about the problem. Hey, look, mm-hmm. the solution is deodorant. Wealthy people wear deodorant. You want to be like them. Royalty wear deodorant. You want to be like them. A good person is one who doesn't sweat doesn't or smell. smell. Yeah. They, they had invented the product. They're first of the space. And so they went out and made the need and established the market. And now everyone freaking wears deodorant. Oh, my God, Trevor. Thank you for reminding us. We talked <laughs> about the diamond industry, the diamond cartel, and the marketing campaign behind it and why that is so powerful. So diamonds are super abundant, but they cost a lot. And there was no use for them except for industrial, but they were able to create a brand new market through storytelling. Then they utilized Hollywood to make it happen. I don't, I'm paraphrasing because I learned about this a few years ago, but it blew my mind. The idea that a man should present a diamond to a woman to crystallize, literally, his commitment to her is to purchase a diamond. And a diamond is a girl's best friend. That was manufactured by Hollywood. And that cultural trope took hold. So the diamond industry had a problem. They realized they had an abundance of this material and they weren't really going to make too much of a profit by selling it for industrial purposes. They had to create another use case for it. So they used movies to create the story narrative of the man proposing to the woman using the biggest diamond he could find. And then they took all their abundant stores of diamonds they all work together colluded all diamond producers colluded to restrict the supply that was being brought out from the mines and into the marketplace so they could drive up and gouge the prices of diamonds so that when men would go and buy diamonds for the women that they wanted to start a family with they would have to pay a high price even though the supply was abundant And they created this whole story narrative that created the whole consumer diamond market. They they spun a story. There are so many examples like this throughout. Things we just take for granted and we just assume that weren't always the case. But they went in, they changed the market. They changed perceptions and perspectives. So another law, the law of perspective. Marketing effects take place over an extended period of time. All the businesses, all the industries we just referenced, we're talking almost 100 years or 40 years or 50 years, huge time spans, longer than we've been alive. Every one of these companies we've mentioned, other than the social media giants, have been around. And even still, they've, they've been around for quite some time. So these are large-scale industries. How do we apply them directly to us, music, the listeners of this podcast? You want to know? I want to know. So figure out one thing that you are about, one thing that you care about. Maybe manufacture a problem and then educate people on the problem. Case in point, are you tired of your beats sounding boring, bland, and just like everybody else? Mm-hmm. Don't you wish there was like this element that could take your production to the next level that'll make you stand out from the rest, that'll really help you go to market and get more of your beats sold? Have you ever thought about having viola loops, adding viola loops that you could put on your bridges, that you could put on your hooks, that you could put on your intros and outros? 
come to my website, thatvokid.com, download some sample packs. I've got 80 different loops that you can use, 80 different samples that you can throw into, mix and match, chop and screw. And I'm going to show you right now. This is how I do it. This is how I can do it. I do it for my own music. Buy a sample pack. Try it out for yourself. Here's a tutorial on how I do it. This is how you learn how you can do it in your own music. Boom. I identified a problem they didn't know they had, right? Or maybe they did, but they just hadn't really spoken about it until I said something. And then I came with a solution. And more than just providing the solution, I educated them on how to implement the solution, right? The full circle. So you literally lead the horse to water. You take it by the back of the neck and you dunk its head in the water. <laughs> I know Daniel got really... His eyes got big. He's like, yo, waterboarding or we just, yeah, just, just water, waterboard the horse, man. <laughs> we get the, we get the fake those podcast, don't condone animal Unless it's see it's a problem they didn't know they had it, is they need more uh, uh, animal cruelty. It's a great example. And even just off the top of the head, like going through examples like that, you'd get that pitch, you'd refine it, you'd write it down, there'd be visuals, you drop it out there, but you're asking questions. Like, do you want this? Have you done this? And then more often than not, if it's that target market, they're going to be like, yes, they're looking out there. And another great example, go ahead and give them credit, the iPhone. Everyone thought it would be a dumb idea. <laughs> this is like, phones are for calling. Yes, great. We finally got a cell phone. You can carry it around. You can get it accessible. Great. But you're telling me people want a tiny little computer and they're going to pay $1,000 for a phone and i have an ipod yeah we all listen to music on my phone yeah like why would anyone want to do that and then here we are like go on the train like non-iphone user it's an outlier and it's weird it's like this social thing everyone's got to have an iphone and then if you don't have an iphone you get to brag about having better components than an iphone but we don't even care because it works seamlessly with our macbooks and our airpods pro and they made it a status thing, and now that it's become ubiquitous, they made it a convenience thing. They cannibalized their own market too. Like they mm -hmm. made their their iPods obsolete with the iPhone. One great example, because yeah, like the law of duality, I think is important because it's it's a long term thing. It's just like knowing that you can play off of and learn from the other, the duo part of that, the second uh, entity or person that's going to grow up. The successful companies now, Coke and Pepsi, even if technically Coke was always kind of ahead, they were always worried about Pepsi. They were looking at Pepsi. And Pepsi, with that underdog mindset, was fighting and innovating and doing other things. Puma and Adidas, all these companies, Hershey and the other one. <laughs> the other one, you know, Imitives or whatever. Like they're all like, it's it's kind of like crazy. They have another crazy story too, one of those History Channel episodes. But I think the key point being that in order to stay on top, you do have to remind yourself that it's not inevitable that you're going to stay on top. Every empire has fallen at some point in yeah. history. It's yeah. it's inevitable. And to in order to do that is you need to stay fresh and be on the lookout and not lose yourself. Uh, the, the great example, of course, would be Google, or at least what they aspire to be. They have that dinosaur in front of their headquarters. There is a giant dinosaur T-Rex skeleton in front of the headquarters because they want to remind themselves that nothing is inevitable that these things got extinct and they, they weren't able to change and adapt. So you must change and adapt to not be a dinosaur. And you can take advantage of that with this duality element or seeing who else is entering your space. What are they doing better? 
can I adjust? Blockbuster. <laughs> Blockbuster didn't adjust. Yeah. Like Facebook is now a dinosaur. So specific to Facebook. And I think this is something that we can directly have kind of easy parallels to our careers as artists as it pertains to marketing. And that is the law of the ladder. So mm-hmm. the strategy to use depends on which rung you occupy on the ladder. And this is something that applies to everyone. What you are doing now will be different than what you were doing when you hit some other career milestones, then when you become a full-time musician, then when you start taking gigs with John Legends to when he's at your, your wedding. Um, <laughs> shout out to previous episodes. The f- decisions Facebook made in year one were very different than year five, than year 10. And where they've run into trouble now is that they've got a CEO who is a builder, who's great at step one and hasn't let go to let someone else manage the product. It is very clear that they think the inner circle has just been around for the whole 10 to 15 years we've been there. And so they didn't work at any other company. That's the crazy thing. He has no experience working at another company. He doesn't know what it's like to be an employee. His whole life has been him and his boss in this weird circumstance to where he's got billions of users. And so that is not the person you'd want managing this type of company. He's not set up for that. That's not the right skill set. And so they look around and they still think they're like young and going out and, you know, break things and other Silicon Valley tech stuff. And, oh, it's just about the higher mission or whatever. They got caught up with it in the past few years because they didn't realize what rung they were on. They still have that underdog mindset and grow, grow, grow. But now they're not at the point where it's about grow, grow, grow. It's about managing. It's about watching out and it's about responsibility. They're like, what have we created? And so they're not operating on the right rung. The corollary to that is if you, listeners, are looking at what John Legend is doing on his Instagram and what Hillary Hahn is doing on her Instagram and thinking you can do the same exact thing and it'll just have the same amount of success, you're at a different rung. Hillary Hahn, if you're listening, uh, come on the pod. Uh, yeah, please. <laughs> you're on the right <laughs> rung. You're on the right rung. But um, John Legend, if you're listening, uh, please come on. But um, you too need to understand with that self-awareness that you are on a different rung. You're on a different rung of time. If you had done that idea 10 years ago when they did it, great. If you had done what Drew did 10 years ago, great. You'd be one of the first in the space. You'd have had that compounding growth that we talked about. Congrats. If you're like, I want to be a social media influencer, let me just look at what Drew's doing right now. Different wrong, different time wrong. (laughs) Drew is doing Drew, and it took time to figure out what Drew is. It's not going to necessarily work for you, and you can't expect those results. And that's just something I see a lot with even really great music string players. They're playing in orchestras. They're posting all the time, and they're doing stuff that looks like other people. Mm -hmm. And... I'm, I, I get exhausted by it. I'm proud that they stick with it, but I'm sitting there watching story after story after story. And then I'm like, wow, they're like posting a lot. They're like putting in a ton of time and effort. And then they have the same amount of followers as me. And I post once every nine months. Mm-hmm. And like, it looks like shit. It's not even a good post. Like uh, if they want that growth and if they're expecting that, then they need to change and realize what wrong you're on. Your strategy will be different depending on where you are on the ladder. So keep that in mind. It's important, man. Um, I think that, you know, we've driven this this point home about recognizing what other people are doing and then doing it differently. 
But there's also something to be said about learning how to actually do whatever it is you do. So if you're in school right now, it's not really your place to just go to market. Mm -hmm. You're not ready. Like it's about understanding your unique value and how you can bring something different. I already know what I'm I'm about. And I already know like what my next step is going to be when it comes to content, when it comes to what I bring to the world. I'm not going to drop it here because I'm going to just do it. And I also don't want y'all beating me to market. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I, th- I think that there's something really important about just identifying the quirky, unique aspects that you bring to the table, crystallizing them, cementing them into a simple, easy idea, and just doing it. And, you know, if you want to grow, maybe not Instagram, just do TikTok. That's, that mm-hmm. seems to be the biggest play, you know, in social media today. So I'm not doing TikTok. So you're going to beat me to market. Somebody already has that viola kit on TikTok. Really? Yeah, dude. I'm oh, snap. No. It's TVK on TikTok. Oh, Brother. hell no. Motherfuckers. Yeah. yeah how much? Oh, hell no. And, and they are not making any content. It just says hi. They reserved oh, it. They, they reserved, reserved it. it. They still. Yeah. Through. How much? To, how much you got to pay? I out. can't DM them because they don't follow me. Yeah, dude, I can't get it. So if, if you know who that some is, bot. get that cabbage out of here. Get that cabbage out of here. My cabbages. Um, <laughs> my cabbages. So, uh, yeah. On another note, Fakey fam, I'm not trying to turn you to an angry mob, but if you know who that is, like. Have, have him DM me. I'll pay. <laughs> That's valuable to me, and I will pay money for that uh, for that username. So yeah, first anyway. to the space, they uh, assholes. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that's a good place to, to leave it. You know, there are so many books on this. Al Reese is a wonderful author in the space. A L R I E S. And here's the deal, y'all. I tell people to read books all the time, and they don't. So if you go out there and read a book, you are getting knowledge that takes effort and people who put effort into learning things, they are already putting themselves above 99% of people because most people won't want to do the work. So if you're out here, you're listening to this podcast, you're doing the work, you're starting. Okay. So you should pat yourself on the back, Fakey Fam. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to our three-part series on entrepreneurial essentials that aren't taught in schools i don't think that's the title but it's true (laughs) and um come and join us in the discord tell us what you think let's keep this conversation going are there some other topics you want us to cover let us know but beyond that thank you so much for listening and we can't wait to bring you more content like this stay tuned